TV Campfire Podcast. I was like, yep, okay, so you win for the week. <laughs> We're here. I hate to sound like a broken road. Oh, no! We're fans. It's one of the best things on television. Oh! All right, we got you a hold of it. Oh, no, you didn't. We talk TV. That was the best scene ever. Like, that I, blew me away. It was absolutely amazing. I just couldn't believe it. Welcome to the show. This is podcast number 496, and I'm Libya, your host, and this week we have returning guests. Hi, I'm Tom. I'm a professor of communication and media studies at Palm Beach Atlantic University in Florida. Hi, this is Allison, and I write reviews for Weedonopolis. Hi, this is Yisun from Los Angeles, costume designer and TV enthusiast. Hey, this is Peter. I live in Hollywood, and I write for Why So Blue. All right, thanks, guys, for showing up. Uh, let's start off with the news. We have that Don Cheadle is set to narrate the reboot of The Wonder Years on ABC. Uh, uh, George R. R. Martin signed a five-year overall deal with HBO to for his <laughs> all his all his novel- novellas and all his thing, Dunkin' Egg. And then, actually, I'm excited about Wild Cards because Wild Cards is actually really good. So they signed an overall deal with him. Ron Moore. Finished stuff? <laughs> well, Wild Cards is finished. So Yeah. I'm just saying Wild Cards is good. So before you, you paint him producers. you paint him with the brush of you know, whatever, he actually did sort well, to be fair, Wild Cards is written by many authors and he basically takes all the works and puts them together and he edits them. And he has occasionally a short because it basically it's a bunch of short stories that come together to tell one big story. And, but it's made by a bunch of different people. And then he takes all the stories and puts them together and uh, does an overall edit on them. Uh, so when you pick up a Wild Cards book, it'll have like six or seven authors on it. Um, but it's really good. Anyway, so because of that, uh, they signed an overall deal with him, which I'm sure he's making a, g- a gazillion dollars from. Um, Ron Moore is set to develop another series that I read, which is A Court of Thorn and Roses, which is a very good series. By, oh, what is her name? Oh, blanking on her name. Anyway, so she's got two series out, that, and I like both of them. Um, but uh, Court of Thorn and Roses, I kind of get it confuses with her series of glass. She has a something glass series, and they go at the same time, and I can't remember which one is which. But I do remember I like the series, so I'm kind of excited. Because you got Ron Moore, who can do a series pretty well, plus a series that I do like, so... Only thing I'm worried about is it's going to be on Hulu, which means it's not going to have any money. Um, so I'm not. Now, exa- that they're Disney, now that they're owned by Disney, they might have a little bit more money to spend. Uh, so yeah, because oh, usually true. shows on Hulu look cheap, and this is a period piece. A Quarter Thorn and Ro- is a period piece. So the great would look fantastic. That's true. That is a very good point. Um, fantastic. But a Quarter Thorn really- and Roses is also a period piece with assassins. So I like that. Um, that sounds cool. CBS has ordered uh, to series FBI International and has also uh, renewed FBI Standard Edition and FBI Most Wanted. Because we all care about that. Uh, ABC, not ABC, Apple TV. TV too, Peter. (laughs) Apple TV (laughs) has renewed the show Trying for Season 3 ahead of its Season 2 premiere. And one more thing. San Diego Comic-Con is moving to Thanksgiving weekend this year for all the people that say, screw their family, I'd rather go to SDCC. <laughs> so, It's uh, called uh, Special Edition. San Diego the, Comic-Con Special Edition. <laughs> all I'm saying is, I, I, I don't know who's going to go to this thing. Like, uh, who's free on Thanksgiving weekend to go to a con? My parents are both uh, deceased, so... So uh, you're going? Why not? <laughs> Everyone who wants to avoid fights with their crazy uncle is too. going to be but, there. Um, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure they're not going to get the studios like they usually do in the summer because they can't for it's it's a it's a union holiday. They can't make any of the actors show up. They can't make anybody show up for this thing. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird time to hold it, really. Honestly, what'd you say, Tom? It might actually be about comic books. Yeah, this this one actually might be about costumes, comic books, 
and have no industry presence whatsoever. Uh, I will determine as we get closer and I find out what it's really going to be. I might go down for Saturday, just, you know, the Saturday, if... Because I'm not going to get a hotel. I'm not doing the whole thing that I normally do. There's no way I'm doing all of that. But Uh, but I might go down for one day. I I don't think that there'll be any trouble with the social distancing, Frank. Because there there won't be enough people there. uh, Prop up the the flagging San Diego retail and hotel industry. Well, the thing is, they actually said the reason they're doing this, even though everybody thinks they're crazy, is because they said they're broke, they're out of money, and they're just hoping to get enough ticket sales for this to buoy them for Comic-Con 2022. So, that's really what this is about. And they, they were straight up in their announcement, they were like, look, we need money. I was like, okay. Uh, anyway, that's all the news I have. Tom? I have more. Uh, Apple TV Plus has signed Tracy Oliver to an exclusive television and film overall deal. She co-wrote Girls Trip, the film, and developed First Wives Club for, I think it was the Paramount Network or BET or something like that. Uh, Line of Duty Season 6 will stream on BritBox in the U.S. CW and HBO Max are going to share repurposed episodes of the What We Do in the Shadows spinoff, Wellington Paranormal, which is a direct spinoff of the film. So it'll air on CW this summer and stream the next day on HBO Max and the CW stations. Uh, Disney Plus has announced that Falcon and Winter Soldier had a bigger debut than either Mandalorian or WandaVision. HBO has cast Bo Burnham to play Larry Bird in the 80s Lakers series. At Netflix, Steven Yun, fresh off his Academy Award nomination, and Ali Wong are teaming up for the comedy drama series Beef. Ryan Murphy and Ian Brennan uh, have set the cast for their limited series Monster, the Jeffrey Dahmer story, Evan Peters in the lead, and also Nisi Nash and Penelope Ann Miller. Halle Berry is going to join Mark Wahlberg in Our Man from Jersey for a Netflix original, and Tony winner Michael Mayer will direct Single All the Way, a gay holiday rom-com with Luke McFarlane from Killjoys and Michael Urie from Ugly Betty. At Showtime, Naomi Harris will join Chiwetel Ejiofor in The Man Who Fell to Earth. And then finally, no network is announced yet, but Jamie Foxx will star as Mike Tyson in a limited series from Martin Scorsese and Antoine Fuqua. Tyson and his wife Kiki will executive produce. And this is not connected with the announced Hulu project, which is not official and not sanctioned. And Tyson was not happy. Okay, then. All right, let's start off with the shows. First up, we're going to talk about Superman and Lois. And this week's episode uh, gave some insight into Lex Luthor. Um, Luthor. I I mean, well, it did. What do you mean? You said Lex Luthor. You mean the other Luthor? You mean Captain Luthor? Is his name, first name not Lex? I assume it's Lex. We do not know what his first name is. I think it's Lex. Oh, interesting. Oh, we, we do know his name is Captain Luther. You're right. They haven't said... I did assume his first name was Lex. But I was kind of thrown about his love for uh, Larry Luther. Yeah. I was a little thrown oh, by... Oh, that's kind of cool. It is. It, but, and it actually, in some of the comics, Lex has been in love with Lois and has married Lois in some yeah. of the comics. And I actually forgot about that. I was like, oh, yeah. But I actually was wondering... When he sees them on the bench and he sees them kissing or whatever, I was like, is he going to recognize Clark as Superman? And he totally doesn't. I'm like, man, those glasses are amazing. Those glasses are amazing. Have we we ever gotten like a very specific explanation as how the glasses work? Not even a little bit. Okay. In the in the in the Silver Age comics, there was this BS that they they magnified his super hypnotisms. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, if, if this guy is your is your ar- if this guy is your arch nemesis and you've gone across universes to go kill him, I think his face would be in your mind. And he looks directly at Clark and is like, "Ah, oh, she's just married some dude, some lame dude instead of me." And I was like, "Seriously? Like, what's happening?" <laughs> Uh, anyway, so that was weird. Um, but then, of course, you've got the brothers. You finally get Jonathan being a brat. But... I don't think he's a brat. I think it's very, you know, 
valid his response. I, mean, I, I think he, yeah. he was yes, yeah. I think he was holding in all his resentment for for several episodes, and it all came yeah. spilling out. I agree, but he was still a little bratty. Huh? You got dumped on the phone. I know that was lame. I, don't think, he's being I think that's a terrible mischaracterization and unfair to Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> I defend his his teenage angst. It's all well earned. What all right. Any other, the episode? Anybody else? Go ahead. I don't know. I I really can't remember. I watch it so early in the week, and I know I said that I would like save it for towards closer to the podcast. I don't have the energy to watch it twice, but I I I I think I remember liking the episode. I you know I didn't. I think I complained or not complained, but commented how like less like uh, sorry Captain Luther just kind of disappeared. Um, and I you know and I think um, I was worried that maybe there were too many kind of things going on. Um, but I but they brought him back, and and I think. And I like the way that they brought him back. I did find it interesting. I know we've already kind of, you know, the whole multiverse thing has been introduced. So um, it, I like the way they did it, like in his world and his timeline. But the one thing I'm a little confused about, and I want to ask a question out there. I want to put it out there. Like, he's aware that it's the multiverse. Like, he's aware that his Superman yes, is not his. This right. Superman is not. No, I know. So why is he just getting so worked up? It's like a different world. He and thinks it's going to repeat. He thinks, it's, he thinks he's saving this world from someone Got who it. will definitely go bad. Got it. Okay. Plus, <laughs> just it's, it's Berlanti, so it doesn't have to make any sense. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, it's get, get right down to it. It's, you know, there's an entire world of evil superheroes, so. All right, just checking. And, and we also got we also got the uh, the freak of the week, the Kryptonian freak of the week, setting fire to uh, the Smallville uh, community center. Right. So got that too. Um, he disintegrated himself in the end. Oh, oh right, self only. They disintegrated him. We don't know if he did it or if they did. It. Yeah, because when no, there's that moment where she puts him. There's that moment where she puts him back in the tube and she's like, this will fix you. And I was like, this will kill you. Like, I was thinking she was putting it in because he was like, he's like, yeah, I totally burnt down the building, but I'm totally sorry. She's like, oh, don't worry about it. You, Everyone saw you, right? And he was like, yeah, but I think I'm, he's like, she was like, oh, don't worry. We'll just put you in here and we'll fix you. And I was like, they're going to kill him. Like, that's exactly yeah, that's what I thought. So the fact that he disintegrates later it. makes sense. Uh, yeah. He like closed his eyes and it looked like he was trying to like, you know, cyanide pill himself. And even Superman yeah. said like, oh, killed himself. So I did not get that at all. I definitely got Libya the same thing. I thought, oh, she's just going to fry him in there. Um, and when he didn't, my point is, if she could have, I think, so if she didn't, then to me, I feel like, okay, then he actually did kill himself. And it shows in terms of the character how devoted he's like him. And, and that's how they're all yeah. getting their powers. So I exactly. think that's what that was about. So she yeah, really I, genu I, genuinely was I, trying to stabilize him, but he elected to commit suicide so as not to, like, give up anybody else. Right. Yeah. I think that's, for me, showed that, like, it's a movement or it's a, they're very committed to this. You know what I mean? Like, it's a real, like, because I, I really didn't understand what sort of what's still what's going on. But clearly they're very committed to whatever ideal they have because he, you know he killed himself. So I don't know. I, it, the scene helped me kind of understand or feel the seriousness of their stance, whatever that may be. So I, I didn't think it was the best episode by any means, but um, I, I, I think it's steady for me. I think it's, you yeah. know, it hasn't gone down too, too much and it's just yeah. fun to watch. So agreed. All right, let's move on. Uh, next up, we're going to talk charmed and I'm a week behind. So sorry guys. Uh, so the episode that I want to talk about is the one where they have this orb that is of some sort of altered dimensional origin. And when you pick it up, it allows you to open up a third eye that lets you see all kinds of things you normally can't see, but it makes you addicted, and then it takes your sight and your life in exchange. So you find that out over the course, and Harry, of course, accidentally makes a wish over it and goes nuts for, like, the rest of the episode starts talking and babbling to himself about numbers and trajectories and whatever. And so that one was good because in the middle of his crazy ranting, you find out about his insecurities about the relationship, which he never would have told her about, which was good. Um, 
And then we find out where all these monsters are coming from, which is this alternate dimensional prison of some sort. So now they're going to have a monster of the week coming from this portal. And I was like, oh, yay. That's what this show was missing. A monster of the week. (laughs) My goodness. But uh, Allison, your thoughts. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, the, the thing is, you'd figure that someone who has been uh, a white lighter for how many decades now uh, would know better than to take a magical object of, of dicey origin and make a wish over it. I mean, you know, it's like, what are you well, thinking? Well, the only bonus I can give him um, for, he didn't actually touch it. He didn't touch it until... He got close enough for it to light up and glisten, and it's like, why would you do that? (laughs) So, of course, the inevitable happens, you know, and he goes goes a little batsy and and starts, you know, drawing things all over the walls and and realizing that the, the... uh, the little icons that they're looking at are numbers and, and all of this. So ultimately, you know, they get a little closer to figuring out where, you know, what is, What's what going, is going on. on. Yeah. Uh, all of this is happening. So it was useful in that sense. But I mean, you, you know, ultimately, you know, they're, they're not going to get rid of Harry or anything like that. And so he's, he's going to recover. Um, One thing but, I will say, say is that, all the other storylines with the sisters doing whatever other thing that they're doing, super boring. Oh my god. Why is it, and also, is it just me, or is this the first episode where the evil witch demon chick, I forgot her, Abby is her name? Why was she coming on to the sister? Like, all of the last two seasons, all she's been doing is throwing her attention at, she's been throwing herself at Harry for like two seasons, and now all of a sudden she's throwing herself at whatever the middle sister's name is that I'm blanking on. Uh, I was like, and she makes it seem like she's always been doing this. And I was like, am I hallucinating? What's happening? This is new, yeah, right? Yeah, I, I, it's it's completely new. And, you know, I mean, it's it, like I said before, this this show is fluff. You don't go to it for really any kind of logical consistency well, or anything terribly them, deep. And this yeah. is a... a but the, yeah, they they couldn't even they couldn't even really keep it together there, and I think it was it was partly they were they they're playing in, into this whole thing of of her and her this affliction that she has when she goes to sleep, she's her own worst enemy, you know that that kind of thing, you know the the, the monster that she's afraid of is herself, um, but you know I I don't know it's I I. I they start things and they stop things and there doesn't seem to be much rhyme or reason to it. The, the youngest sister is, is now we can see moving on. A friend now um, in this show that the, it's, it's like, you know, why even bother? Um, it was one thing when she was, when she had declared her, her undying love for the half demon guy, but then she moved on to the guy at safe space and now she's moving on to the guy at, you know, who in she her thinks class. has her, her class, you know, her, her nemesis. Don't and, care at all. And I don't care about her dating. Sure. Nope. She's yeah. the least interesting There's sister. So, uh, anyway, let's move on. I have nothing else to say about it. Uh, next up, uh, we're going to talk about the series finale of Superstore. And Peter, since Superstore has been... Your show that you've raved about during this whole process, I figure you can lead the talk in wrapping it out. I mean, I've been a big fan of Superstore since it aired, uh, I guess it started like six years ago. Um, and I have been particularly curious once the pandemic started, you know, what was going to kind of happen? Because I was like, well, if there was a show to deal with the pandemic, like on, on a more like human normal like level, but, you know, you know, the comedy it would be Superstore, and I think that they did a terrific job in this last season um, doing that. Uh, and, of course, I was bummed to hear that the show had been canceled, but, I mean, with, you know, so many other shows being canceled and stuff and still being in a pandemic, I, I wasn't, like, shocked. Um, so they basically did... Uh, they basically gave it two, two episodes, so it's basically like a one-hour finale. Um, I think the first episode's called The Perfect Store, and the second one is all sales are final. And um, 
you know, I would say if I had a criticism of of the last few seasons of Superstore, it's that like what I loved about the show when it started was they would take a topic like, you know, Jonah doesn't want to sell guns, but, but you know, but Cloud Nine, like Walmart sells guns and what are they going to do? And they would take these hot button topics and they would make them relatable and still very funny. In the last few seasons of Superstore, I felt like they really focused very much on the relationships of the characters, which I like. But I had missed some of that kind of stuff, which I think the pandemic allowed them to kind of get back to because they're dealing, you know, I mean, because we all know what that's like to go to a store and all those, you know, people who can be terrible customers and stuff, um, which I think they've done a good job. And I would say, though, honestly, the the finale is mostly a wrap up. It's basically that, you know, Cloud Nine is basically turned into a fulfillment house, you know, sadly, like 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 Amazon and we get to say goodbye to our characters. And they even do a jump in time where we get to see, hopefully, if, you know, if the characters you're shipping all ended up, you know, with each other. Um, so it was very, it, to me, it was very sweet, and I was moved. I'm not saying it's, like, you know, changes television or anything, but, like, you know, as a fan of the show, yes, I, th- I think it was a nice way to go out. Um, I, but, I, but I clearly could have still had many seasons of this show, you know, had it not been canceled. So... That's what I thought. I just I just want to fill in what what Peter said because he hit all the you know he hit everything that I would say, but I, I want to give a little more detail and I want to be even more enthusiastic. The show has never been amazing, but it's really solid television. And so, so for anyone out there listening that has never thought to watch it, give it a try, especially if you like you know that workplace kind of humor of you know the Office or or even Brooklyn Nine Nine. You know it's driven by characters, but like Peter said, they do a really, they did a really great job of without, you know, virtue signaling and soapboxing, dealing with stuff. The thing I have to, I want to comment though, is some uh, some of the stuff is the humor is really, it's it's smarter than you would think it would be. And then also it's very base. So, you know, clearly Cloud9 is a very poorly, you know, disguised Walmart. And so we've all heard the stories. We've all seen the memes about how absolutely crazy customers can be and the things you might see at a Walmart. Um, and they throw in these like, 10 second little, you know, things of like people doing the craziest things in the store. And they seem like they're throwaways, but it gives such texture to the show. It's like wacky, but like totally believable. It's not like, oh, this is just so forced. I mean, it's it's really one of the things that kind of, I think, gives the show, it's like the fabric, it's color, you know? And then the other thing I want to say, and then I'll just end with this, is as far as a series finale is concerned, we always talk about not landing the plane, landing the plane, this or that. If you are a fan of the show, the finale really gave you everything you wanted. And like, it was brilliant. And I mean that, like it hit every note of closure you wanted. Peter already kind of talked about what those were, um, you know, but like as a, as a fan, I'm a super fan of Superstore <laughs> without saying that it's an amazing, you know, it's not a game changer television show, but it's just what you want. It gives you fan service without just, um, forgetting about plot or story you know what i mean so it it hit that beautiful sweet spot of giving you closure with the narrative and the story everything's very reasonable and then also giving you the heart i am not embarrassed to say that i cried you know i full on like at the end of the office so kudos to them what a really great way to end uh, a series and like peter i absolutely could have watched more seasons but i'm actually okay because it really i feel like it's like you had a relationship somewhat with someone you had to break up but you like broke up on good terms you know you'll always like remember them fondly so it was a really fun sweet ride and i think if people are looking for a nice lightweight comedy that isn't just silly they should try it out i really appreciated the way they got they brought closure to jonah and andy's subplot because even yeah. though the intention was that the show would last longer than this. The producers were a little bit caught off guard, but they did, you know, they did manage to get uh, America Ferrera back for, for t- uh, the last two episodes as well as the scene for the anti-penultimate episode. But I, I thought they dealt with it realistically in terms of relationship ships because it could have been glossed over. And uh, I didn't see the, the end of the office because they outstayed their welcome. After Michael left, the show was over, and then they kept going two more seasons. So I didn't make it to the finale, which is a shame because it had been a good story. Had been a good story. It had been a good show, but 
at least they left on a high point instead of outliving their welcome. All right, wrapping that up, let's uh, move on. Uh, I think they're all saying thumbs up. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about For All Mankind, and we're going to talk about episodes four and five. Yes, I know I'm not caught up yet, but I'm very, very close. Uh, so the two episodes that I saw were, um, basically it was the one where Ed gets back in the pilot seat. He assigns himself to be the head Mm -hmm. of Pathfinder. And, uh, so he hands off the reins to Molly, who is obviously starting to feel the effects of her radiation poisoning. And she's trying to play it off. And I was like, this is not, she's not going to make it six months because she has yep. to make it six months before she can hand it off to somebody or she can assign herself a mission, and she's not going to make it that long. She's not going to pass the physical, but that's just my opinion. Anyway, so Ed and Gordo have this whole flight competition thing that goes sideways. But I also, I can't decide if Ed was a jerk or a good friend when Gordo tells him honestly how fragile he is and how scared he is. I think Ed's trying to push Gordo to get his mojo back. Yes. But like I said, I don't know if that's a good friend or a terrible friend. Because if it doesn't work, Gordo could die. Well, if it doesn't work, Gordo could die and take a bunch of people with him. Exactly my point. So I feel like trying to get his mojo back on a small... if, if If the stakes were smaller, I would be behind what Ed's trying to do. But the stakes are huge. If he flips out at, at Jamestown, and Jamestown has like a bunch of people. And I was like, so who's going to tell him that there are ants at Georgetown? Ants set him off. Like, what, guys? Like, come on. Because right now, he's trying to deal with his claustrophobia of being inside his suit. And he's doing yep. all these things to help himself. He's, he's trying to desensitize himself to it. He's doing all this stuff. And that's all good. And I think that's actually healthy. But if ants make him freak out to where he can't breathe and blah, 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 there are ants on that station. Like, they have apparently been ants on that station since she dropped them way back when and didn't get them all. Right. So I'm just like, yeah, yeah, this isn't good. We just decide in a closed environment and kill everybody. Or a, oh, just like open it up to the environment, you mean? Just open it up? No, like said, it's not like you're going to un- bring a can of raid up there. <laughs> oh, right, right, right. So that part that part of the episode was good, and then the second one was we get to Trace- spend a lot of time with Tracy. Oh, my God, I hate her so much. Seriously. How did Seri- they take Tracy from season one, who I loved? I loved Tracy in season one, and they made her so unlikable in season two. I think that they're trying to imply that she's drunk on celebrity. I get that. That makes her terrible. But still unfulfilled and taking all these chances and not ready. I mean, in a way, those two kind of deserve each other. Who? In a way. Tracy and Gordo? Gordo. Yeah, but they're broken up now. Like, they're not together now, so. No comment. (laughs) Oh, come on! Why, you can't say something like that. Anyway, all I can say is something happens in episode in the next episode where, yeah. Well, it's well, a... stop saying that because you know I haven't seen it. What I will say is I'm super uncomfortable with Ed's wife hanging out with Gordo's son. It's giving me the creeps. That was getting a little creepy, but they don't, it doesn't go anywhere, thankfully. Okay, because that... I was like, please do not he go is, there. He is literally the age of her dead son. They were best friends. She helped raise him. Yeah. No, that is not cool. Uh, I, I I can understand why they laid out the, the things the way they did, but I think realistic. I can understand that it, it is it can be more like life. However, comma I think it might have been cleaner story wise if we could have had in these middle in these now that we're approaching the middle of the season, they're starting to to resolve things that happened with the kid's death ten years ago. Right, and it's a weird. And there's more, there's more coming up about that. And it's like, I know that that can be like life, but it's not necessarily great for your story arcs. Because it's like, out of the blue, you know, I'm mourning my so-and-so who's been gone for 10 years. <laughs> well, you know, so. 
But are you, yeah. you you are still enjoying the show, right? Oh yeah, I'm still I'm still enjoying the show, but there are a couple of writery type things for choices that I would not have made. What I can see I... that. And oh, and I forgot to mention the big Danny scene with Ed was fantastic. That was really good when Danny comes confronts him and says, "So, how many black astronauts are there?" He's like, "I can't believe you're trying to pull that race card on me." And he was like, "You know me. I you know I'm not like that." She's like, "Oh, really?" And so she just like breaks it all down for him and really makes him see the bigger picture that he's but been ignoring. That she had with her sister-in-law. Oh, I know. I know it's a result of that, but which I thought was kind of I thought that was kind of itchy with a B for the sister-in-law to do. Oh, yeah. I thought that was not cool. I did not like the sister-in-law, but she did have a point. Because I remember, I think I was telling you this, or somebody, that moment where she breaks her arm to save Gordo's career, I was angry at her. I was like, what are you doing? I was like, you are a black woman. Are you out of your mind? Like, I was yelling at the screen because she can't afford... I was like, she cannot afford to make any kind of mistakes. And by her faking that injury to save his career, he would have been fine. And Well, the, th- the thing that I hate the most is he isn't even that grateful to her. Oh, no. Or, he, felt, he felt guilty. He, he did. felt guilty, but you don't see him making it up by kissing her butt all the time. Oh, not I at all. Just... No. No, and it's just oh. like... I, and I knew that was going to happen, too. None of them acted like she had done anything particularly brave. They thought it was crazy. And I was so angry with her because I was like, this is going to bite you. And it did. It absolutely bit her to where she got grounded for a decade. Uh, because they were like, oh, you're obviously incompetent. You're the one who had that mishap. Right. They had a picture of her on the tanks. This, make sure this isn't you. Like... That was just, I was like, and I know when she gets up there, she's going to see that picture and realize that it was a horrible, like when she did it, I thought it was a horrible mistake. I was like, there's got to be, there's got to be a better way she could. And also she broke her arm really badly. Like I was like, it wasn't even just like a little bit of a break or a sprain. If if you intend to break your arm intentionally, it's not going to be. Yeah, it, it's different when you're not expecting it than to do it intentionally. That's just stupid. Yeah, I was just like, no. Anyway, so, but I did like that she got assigned the mission. But then, after I was all happy she got made the leader of the mission, then you juxtapose it with what Ed is doing. Ed's getting this brand new nuclear uh, space shuttle that's like top of the line, and she's getting a... What a thirty-year-old shuttle! Follow, yeah, which she actually already flew, um, or flew something similar. So I was just like, and she was all reverent, like, "Oh, this is going to be my ship." And I was like, "Are you kidding?" Like, on one hand, you're happy that she gets to be a mission uh, leader, yeah. but but the mission they gave her was crap. Um, I'm just saying, from where I am, stop it. Stop leading us along. Act, you, you gotta know. act. You gotta act like you haven't seen the episode. No, you you know they're really that that is a real mission that we actually did yeah. do in the early. Oh well, okay. to, to with the Russians. You didn't know that. I don't. Know. Yeah. After man, after people start that, getting on the moon, nobody's paying that, attention. That, that is a real mission we really did with them. But it's interesting that I will stop talking. Thank you. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Uh, next up, we're going to talk... Well, thumbs up for me. Next up, we're going to yeah. talk uh, Mighty Ducks Game Changer. Game or Changer. Oh, it's called Game Changer. I would probably have not watched this, except Tom was like, hey, watch Game Changer. Watch Mighty Ducks. And I was like, fine. I thought you'd like Lord Graham. I do, but it wasn't on my... I mean, I'm not a big Mighty Ducks kind of person. Who is? Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we're not so, the right generation. Right, so I was just, I was not that hyped about it, but it was adorable. It was an adorable (laughs) little sweet show, and what really sold me was her dance routine that she did at the end. Like, I was like, all right, you got me. I'm sold. It's the, uh, the premise of the show is that in the years since the Mighty Ducks films, they have become a big, huge, uh, you know, kids, 
team kids hockey franchise. So Lauren Graham's son is, you know, is, you know, he's plucky and we like him, but he gets cut from the team and she's a struggling single mom. So being a bit of a helicopter mom, she goes in there and tells off the coach and and uh, basically says, you know, this should, you know, this is, you know, kids should be playing hockey for fun. It shouldn't be about, you know, waking up at six o'clock in the morning for practices and having having coaches and you know whatnot and trainers and so, I'm a yeah. team and then of course <laughs> hilarity know, ensues hilarity ensues but the, the best part though is when they, they wooed emilio estevez i don't think he's ever done a tv show before but they wooed him out of semi-retirement to do this show and i don't know if it's just me but i think his acting's gotten better since he was younger and he really starts to resemble his dad more that's what i said and he and sounded voice. like him. Yes. There's the scene like, where you can't see who it is. You can just hear him. And I was like, what? And I, I had this moment where I thought it was a different actor. I thought it was his dad. But the, but the two of them have great chemistry. And he's initially, he, he owns the only ice rink that she has the possibility of, of, of renting to start a team. And so... She, you know, and she's got access to unused grant money in the city. Yeah, like that would really happen. But hey, it's Disney. <laughs> but then the kid needs more. They need more kids for the team, and she's planning to, you know, micromanage that. And Estevez tells the kid, "No, dude, kid, you gotta, you gotta do this yourself. You can't let your mom control your life." And so the kid does it. <laughs> it was good. All of that, like I said, it was, it was nice, warm, tingly. Like, uh, it was nice family kind of show that I could see watching it with my nephew. I yeah. thought it was, I thought it was fine. Um, like I would probably watch the next episode because I do like Lauren Graham. I will say, um, I haven't read reviews for this and I've never seen the mighty ducks because it's not my generation. Um, I, I will say though, as a fan of Lauren Graham, I think it's interesting that she takes this character where, so I it so basically because I have barely seen Zoe's playlist, so I don't know too much about her role on that show. But it's interesting to see her have a teenage kid when on Gilmore Girls, you know, she was obviously much younger with a teenage girl. But Laura or Rory, Rory, while Rory's not a jerk. Rory is essentially more like the jerk duck characters than her kid on this because Rory is all about getting good grades, wants to go to Yale or Harvard or whatever. Like she's not a jerk about it. Like we like her, but it's interesting because this show is that the ducks have become jerks because all they're focused on is winning. And so now she's this mom who is trying to like be like, well, no, it's not about that. It's about having fun. It's interesting. I just, I think that's an interesting, if, if you're a fan of the actress, I think that's an, it's an interesting observation, I guess. Um, but, uh, but yeah, yeah, no, I would agree with you guys. It's, you know, it's not, there isn't a whole lot to say about this show. I mean, like, but I agree. I also thought that when um, Estevez is working on the Zamboni, yeah, he totally sounds like Martin Sheen. I was like, oh, it's it's Jed Bartlett's like, but um, but yeah, like yeah, it's enjoyable. So, all right, let's wrap that up. Uh, so we're saying thumbs up. Yep. Uh, next up, we're gonna talk about legacies, and this was the episode where you had to choose Team Hope or Team MG. Dun dun dun, and both of them were neither one of them were particularly good choices because. Team Hope was all about being a selfish jerk, and all she cared about was saving her boyfriend, and if all of us had to die to save her boyfriend, she was okay with that. And I was like, that's a terrible recruitment message. So she's uh, the Carol of legacies. Oh, yeah. And she's just super... <laughs> she's just super um, annoying well, about it. Not... I feel like not anymore. Like, I feel like not, not really, but... And then MG comes at it like, well, this mission is too dangerous. It'll, in exchange for us finding Landon, a bunch of us might die and we don't have a plan. He's like, I'm not saying we don't save Landon. I'm saying we pause and make a plan. And all of them looked at him like he was crazy for even well, having that like, idea. 
Wait, that sounds like MG is the right side to be on because he's, he's understanding the, cor- he's understanding the gravity of things. Correct, except MG Everybody had been lying to them. He had been lying to everybody for all season because the instrument that they needed to go save Landon, he had hidden and told everybody it had been destroyed because he didn't want people to go. He thought it was too dangerous to go. And so once everybody found it, then he was like, well, now it's too dangerous because we don't have a plan. So, <laughs> well, so that's why I said both of them were in the wrong. And then the rest of the school has to decide. She, and, and Hope is like, you're either on my side or you're on MG's side. Pick. And I'm like, yeah. really? And so it became almost like a popularity vote. And everybody, all the other people were like, uh... And I was like, oh, now, come I, on, guys. I haven't seen Legacy like, season well, eight. Everybody, everybody throws him out anyway because of the lie. Right. I haven't so, seen Legacy season ages, but I'm just curious. Do, have they ever killed a character? Are any of those students dead yet? Yes, they just, yes. Yeah. Yeah. They just killed a couple yeah. people, yeah. Ooh, who'd they kill? Did they kill one of the twins? The, the <laughs> you sound overly excited <laughs> about the concept. Has Josie finally died? Like, uh, oh, wow. Let's, let's hear your wish list. I love, they, I love they, they killed Landon's much more interesting uh, ad, adopted brother. Right. Yeah, yeah, adopted brother. The tall black dude. Foster brother or something back. like I mean, that. This is his legacy, girl? so they can yeah, all come back. Next man's just come back like four times. Peter, is Lizzie the blonde girl? Yes, Lizzie's yeah. the blonde Correct. Girl. She's still around? Yeah. 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 She's yeah, my favorite she's character. one of the twins. Yeah, well, apparently you know, he wanted Josie to die. still around. Uh, but yes, they've killed. They killed off a main character, and uh, that sucked. I was not happy with that episode, uh, even though that was my Wait, episode. Who was it? Uh, who was it? Raphael. Who'd they kill? Oh yeah, yeah. That, we just talked about. Yeah, I know. That's what I said. Is he for sure? Is he dead, or is it like he'll be back? It's legacy. It's legacy. I was about but to say he, everyone yeah, has he died. To, he wanted to go off to do something with his career. So it's it's yeah. un, if he's going to be back, it's going to be thought... like for brief something, and probably not anytime soon. Ah. So, right. Yeah. Well, I I just want to say I want to talk about the episode a little bit because uh, every time I watch it now recently, I'm finding it funnier and funnier, and it's like quippy. Like I mean, not saying that the show wasn't quippy and it wasn't funny, but I I don't know why they just kind of stand out. Lizzie is also my favorite character. She was my least favorite. It's sort of like uh, Vampire Diaries. I don't know what I what what it is with blondes, but Caroline was my least favorite character, and she absolutely became my favorite. Lizzie, who actually it's funny you said Peter the blonde because she's kind of not blonde anymore. They're totally letting her grow her roots out. So like yeah, I saw that yeah. Yeah, I saw in one scene, I was like, wait a minute, did she dye her hair brown? And then I was like, oh, no, she just doesn't want to do her roots anymore. I imagine it's ruining her hair, and she finally put her foot down. And the wigs are all horrible, so they were just like, all right, well, let's throw it out. Anyway, um, in the beginning of the thing, she she has a whole bunch of lines, but that one where she called her sister Darth Pigtails, I just was (laughs) like, what? I know. I was like, did I just get that right? I was like, and it was such a throwaway line. I almost didn't hear it. So her delivery is great. Her, She's got some really good comment yes, timing. she does. I would not have, you know, guessed at in the beginning. And like I said, I found her character just very one note and mean girls and whatever. So her arc has been fantastic. I am not just in this episode, but in all of the episodes, it's almost, I feel like the writers, like the actual real world in the real world, IRL, don't like hope anymore. Like the actress, because they're just like, how can we make her as, you know, as unlikable as humanly possible? I have no sympathy for her. I cannot relate to her in any way. That bust was creepy. Now she's <laughs> friends right lives risk you know what i mean like there's and this is i have to say this i'll end on this the this they show like several episodes were trying desperately to get us to like like landon he's gonna be brave he's gonna do things on his own he's gonna rescue himself he did not you know the I thing is i don't think I, I don't think that it's that they hate hope or that they're trying to get oh. the audience to hate up i think it's that it's one of those situations where you've got uh, writers who think that a couple 
is more interesting and more engaging than they actually are. And they are determined to force that yes. couple on the audience. Yes. And it's like, yes. we, we are supposed to just adore, you know, Hope and Landon together. And I, I can't wait for them to actually get rid of him. It's like every time he dies, I'm, I'm hoping it's, it's for good this time. Well, you know, they because like, he's not being a phoenix. Ashes, though. Yeah. What? Phoenix always Phoenixes rise from the ashes. So. Well, that's what I was just saying. Is they teased us though, because he's no longer Phoenix, and I thought, yeah. oh, maybe he's well, he die now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, no. no, they just keep. That is the weakness of the show. All right. Yeah, it's like it's, it's like a cockroach. He just keeps coming back again. You have to step <laughs> on him, and then he just oh, runs out. Caleb's oh, romance with the new girl. Oh, I like the new girl a lot. I think Caleb is yeah, right. I, I like that Caleb was the first one. He was like, oh, new girl, she's hot, I'm on it. So, like, he, he was just bypassing yeah, I everyone. I don't trust her. She knows too much. Yeah, I like I her. Like, I think there's going to be a twist. What I did, I what I did like... nice, and I think she knows too much. I, yeah. I do like the... Um, that creature that they summoned, he looked awesome. Ooh. Yeah, he looked yeah. amazing. I was like, "Wow, that's some good." Uh, because none of it's well, not none of it. Most of it is not CGI. That's actually practical. They just yeah. gave it like some C- CGI highlights, uh, but yeah, enhancements. But that all their monsters are always practical, and it always blows me away every time I see the monster for the first time. I'm like, "Oh, that looks great!" It uh, absolutely. That they, the practical. I mean, it, it really, I think it makes a huge difference, you know what I mean, in terms of believability and just like wow factor. I mean, right. we're also exhausted from CGI, you know what I mean? And you and I were talking about um, Farscape and all the puppetry. And I was not surprised when I found out that, it, you know, Jim Henson was, was responsible for it because that stuff was really uh, impressive for especially back then so it kind of reminds me of that like you know what I mean like I think it adds a little bit of gravitas is too strong of a word but I think it definitely adds extra bonus points for me when I watch because legitimately many of the 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 monsters are kind of scary you know yeah. and um, yeah you know what I mean so yeah that's and that's kind of a nice you know strength to the show it does involve monsters if they're not good then you know that's half the show so no, I, right. I, I like this episode. I, I, I really despise uh, Hope now, which is kind of hard because she's your lead character. But I also didn't love Elena in um, in Vampire Diaries, and I was fine. So I can I can live without it. But I think we're all agreeing that Landon has absolutely overstayed his welcome. And if he had come back stronger and different, it was a perfect opportunity to reinvent his character and to get us to just hit the reset button. But they dropped the ball. So I'm, like, super done with them. All right, well, let's move on. Next up, we're going to talk about Resident Alien. And this week's episode, his disguise is back, except his leg is cut off as it grows back. And uh, the premise of this one is that the alien hunters, well, there's multiple alien hunters. They go to an alien con, which is pretty funny. But you also have the alien hunters who are having dinner at the kid's house to do recon at his house to find out what he knows about the aliens. So... Alien Con, fantastic. It is about exactly what you would expect at an Alien Con. Um, but I like, oh, what's the actor's name from Lost? Who's the alien hunter? Terry O'Quinn. Terry O'Quinn, thank you. Uh, he was great. Like, he, his story seemed genuine. You believed him. But he has that little bit of intimidation factor that when he drew that gun, you're like, Run! You know, so, yeah, he plays that kind of character, I thought, really well. Hopefully this was not the last time we see him, because he obviously has the ability to see the alien. Yeah, I think he's, that's going to tie in. I mean, he's he they, they have not returned his child to him. You know, right. And I think, you know, there's some speculation as to who that child is going to turn out to be. And yeah, I that, thought about that, that, too. If that gene yeah. is really that rare... And and Max has it. it well, that kid, of, no, but that kid. Oh, you mean like his father? Because I was about to his say father. his kid. Yeah, maybe it kid. skips a generation. Ooh, right. nice one. Nice yeah. one. Yeah, because nice I was like, the kid has to be at least thirty. But that was so cruel when he tells him, "It's like I need the chip. I need the chip so that the aliens can find me." He's like, he's like, they took my son. I want him to come back. And he was like, well, they have what they want from you. They're not coming back. And I was like, oh, that was just that yeah. hurt. 
It was true, but it was cold. Yes, it was very cold. I I made a jump in because that to me is again I talk about this all the time but like they have found their tone they have absolutely balanced now humor heart you know uh, intrigue whatever you know the the alien or the FBI FBI hunters um, have been woven in perfectly and nicely um, but I'll let you guys talk about all that because I don't know if anyone's going to talk about this and I really want to talk about it because we mentioned it early on about representation and um, how we've hardly ever seen um, indigenous people being featured uh, on a show but it's more than lip service I love it like it's not it's I said this earlier in the podcast it's not virtue signaling it's not whatever they're not patting themselves on the back and it's being interwoven in a way that is so not like you know super sledgehammer woke like she made that comment about um when when the alien when uh you know he said um something about like oh I you know it's upsetting to me because you can't wear me as a costume and she's yeah, he like, said, he, he basically said, my people are not a costume. Yeah, my and she, people are not a she costume. She was like, welcome to my world. Yes. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And like, I feel like it was still very organic. It was very, it was, you know, perfect for the moment. And then I thought that was even more brilliant and layered and kind of subtle was when she was being warned off about trusting him, you know, and uh, that, and it was another indigenous person that I, that came up to her. And again, it all seemed natural. It wasn't forced on, you know, on us. She's, she's a main character. It's part of the story. And he was like, remember Christopher Columbus? And I was like, oh, you know, because like now we know so much about, you know, we're all, you know, understand about Christopher Columbus and stuff. So for me, the show is really so layered, you know, and it's not just funny. Um, it's certainly not. Oh, and the last thing I'm going to say, I'm going to steal this from you, Libya, because I Uh-oh. want to tell you how much I agree with you in the um, in our, you know, under text chain, you talked about um, the wind beneath my wings, like never being used more effectively. <laughs> and, and I have to tell you, Libya, you set it up because I was like, Okay, they're gonna have to come at me. Like what? Is, like I was like, what did they do to make Libya say this? You know what I mean? So my expectations were unbelievably high. Oh my God, did they <laughs> deliver? I couldn't stop smiling and laughing and crying. I mean, when he does, I'm just gonna spoil it. When he like basically gives her back her badge, but it, it's like a proposal on one knee, and they sing that duet, and that sheriff has the most amazing voice. <laughs> what? What? So the two of them are singing Wind Beneath My Wings and his way of apologizing for being so lame and overlooking her, not giving her credit, and in front of everybody at the bar, like it was a marriage proposal. That was brilliant. That was like next level comedy. And it was, it was just, it's great. I absolutely love this show. Absolutely love it. That, that, uh, that scene I... sold me on the sheriff. Like, if I was like, I mean, I know he's good comedic t- timing and comedy, but the heart, his heart, he, they sold me on his heart. In that scene, mm-hmm. I I think this this show. I mean, if 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 it's ever hit its stride, did it with this episode. This episode was so perfect on every possible level. Um, just ev- everything worked. Every scene worked. Every every bit of character development worked. The humor worked. It the heart worked. Like you said, the rep- the representation, which made you think, you know, um, worked. It, it was just it was just firing on all cylinders the entire time and had some of the funniest lines of of the entire series. Oh, but we got to uh, hit one thing at the end, the end shot, the the waitress or whatever, she finds the body. Yes. Oh, yes. And, and I mean, yeah, the, 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 the bartender, uh, Darcy, when she's, and the thing is, you, you've got to know what's going on in her head because she she's probably thinking because, you know, Asta has been so dodgy all day and, and no one's seen Harry and everything else. She thinks that maybe she killed Harry and put him in the freezer. That's probably what's going through her head. So I, I, I'd love to see exactly how they're going to resolve this. And, you know, the kind of conversation is going to be really interesting. And, of course, it's the season finale. So, you know, we're oh, going to. Oh, no, really? I know I it's so quick. No. Um, but. Oh. but you know, we're we're going to have to have some kind of confrontation with with the military and and see how that turns out. So this next episode is going to be is going to be really intense. And uh, if it's if it's anywhere near as good as this penultimate episode, I'm I'm just you know going to be totally thrilled. And this is coming from a show that remember I I, I remember when we started talking about it, I said it's not even going to last a season. 
And, yes. and it has surprised me in every possible way. It, it really makes me so happy, Allison, to hear how much you like it, because I do remember that. And there are times when I watch it, and I'm like, oh, Allison, she's totally come around to this brilliance. I love it. And But we'll talk about brilliance. Last thing, we have to do the shout-out to that scene where Alan, um, he, he talks about, he explains all the aliens, and he's like, oh, that one is, like, super mean, and this one is pretty, but he knows it, you know? And I looked, I watched that scene, like, three times, and you can tell that Astra is trying so hard not to laugh because you know all of that was improv. He's ad-libbed the whole thing. I watched it like three or four times and she is trying so hard and she's genuinely surprised about what comes out of his mouth and I thought they must have given him 20 takes for that and all of it worth it. I was like, I wished I was in the room when they <laughs> shot that. He is brilliant. There is actually a blooper reel going around and they, from what I understand, they, they do improvise a lot, especially yeah. Alan. And yes. so I, I would have loved to have seen just the, the outtakes from that one scene. And I they did show some of the outtakes from the scene where he makes up his name, which are hilarious. And, and you know, I mean, it's, I, I think the whole cast actually has a, a talent for that sort of thing. So yeah, uh, just thumbs up all around for, all for right. everything about the show. All right, Th all right, let's uh, move on. As we, if you're not watching Resident Alien, you should be. Next up, we're going to talk about uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and this was episode two. And Woo! this was uh, they finally get the, the the two guys in the same room working together, doing their somewhat banner. But man, I will, I'm, I give them credit in that we got to see the I'm going to call him the fake Captain America, faux Captain America. We got to see behind you know who he is that he's genuinely trying to kind of be a good guy he doesn't really like all the pomp and circumstance but he also strangely thinks he earned it which i find annoying um and then the whole idea that he needs a sidekick because cap had a sidekick and so he's trying to like recruit bucky and uh falcon to his side just for the sidekick status to legitimize him more at first you think it's because he thinks they should work together but you realize it's really because he's trying to just legitimize himself more as the new cap that's really why he wants them and that's around when i decide you know what no i don't like this guy so what do you guys yeah, think i don't like him at all I, I mean, I don't know why. I mean, is this fair? Is it not fair? I don't know why they, he looks. He's got like a weird, scrunchy he face. He does have a me. weird face. I agree. His right? face looks yeah, like he's got he's smashed. Big ears too. Looks he's like really someone took his ears. face yeah, and like, smashed I, you it. You know, I mean, I, I guess. Yeah, I guess if this were a woman, we might be accused of being misogynistic, but like, because I'm focusing on his looks, but I have to wonder if that wasn't on purpose. Like, I think it was. I mean, they could cast anybody they wanted. So I feel like we're supposed to see in his deeds that he's earnest, but I think we're generally kind of sort of not supposed to like him. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I think, you know, like, I think they gave it a balance. I think they wanted to, no. to give you both. Yes, no, but I'm saying because I mean, I'm saying that the casting specifically, the looks also, I think we are supposed to be put off by him a little bit. You know, I mean, I don't know if that's not fair, but he reminds uh, me of Dan. He reminds he, me of Dan Stevens and um, Matt Smith. Like if you made one person out of them, Dan Stevens is <laughs> uh, was a yeah, <laughs> no right from from Downton Abbey. So, yeah, um, but yeah. I I just want to. I want to say this. I want to throw a bomb in the room and run out. Um, that's probably bad uh, wording. But anyway, a firecracker. I want to throw a firecracker in the room. Um, I do not like the show. I fell asleep twice. And granted, it was late at night. Um, but this is saying something. We, I didn't have internet all day. So when I finally got to get back, I was like, yay! You know, so I was like primed to see something and watch it. Um, I think the number one thing that this show is supposed to give us, it does not. That scene in the interrogation room where they like soul search each other through their eyes, I get it was supposed to be uncomfortable. It was so poorly shot, directed, acted. It it made me really uncomfortable in real life, like not, not, you know, in the confines of the show or how it was supposed to be. They have zero chemistry. And like, 
half of the show, three quarters of the show is supposed to be buddy cop thing. And like, let me tell you, it, it made me long for the days of Lethal Weapon. I mean, the comparisons are obvious, obviously. But um, for me, I, I really was like, oh, this show has to get me to love their banter and their back and forth and their, you know, love hate relationship. And I was like, none of that works for me. So I am definitely going to watch it. And I'm not hate watching it by any means. It's not a terrible, terrible show. But for me, the thing they needed to bring, they have not. It's like going to Thanksgiving dinner and not getting a turkey. I'm just like, what? So, like, I'm I'm really disappointed personally. But I will watch the show. Maybe it'll get better. I don't know. But I, is, am I the only one? Does everyone think that they, they have great chemistry? Um, well, I'm going to – I guess I'm going to disagree. Uh, but but then, of course, I, I hate turkey. So that would be the point. <laughs> Thanksgiving <laughs> item. So um, – you know, the, the the thing is, I thought I thought the way you did for the first episode, it it I was it, it was just kind of bleh, kind of you know rambled along for me. I thought they would have been better served by showing both the first and second episode together because for me, in the second episode, that's where it really takes off, and yeah. that's where I really felt I, I saw chemistry between both Bucky and Sam, and that scene of the two of them in the <laughs> interrogation room. Um, I was, I was laughing like a crazy person because I mean, they, they so obviously, it was so obviously meant for them to bond together and the two of them were just hating on each other intensely. And we know that eventually, you know, they're, they're going to team up and be a great team and all of that. But right now it's just this, this back and forth, which I thought they played fantastically together and i thought for the first time instead of like the opening scene in the in the episode one where it was just action for the sake of action i thought the action in this actually made sense we knew what the stakes were we we knew who the players were there was we were rooting for some people we didn't know what the outcome was exactly going to be and and i thought everything worked on that and especially the introduction of of their you know new Captain America, their fake yeah. Captain America, um, who who is like you know Mister White Privilege, and and he's, I like the fact that they didn't just make him a mustache twirling villain. He is in the comic books. He's just a self promoting wingnut, and and they gave him more depth than that, so that he's he's not completely hateful. I think he thinks of himself as a good guy and tries to be a good guy. And if he were just a, a, a regular soldier, I think he he would be a decent person. But he's been given power beyond and 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 fame beyond what he is really merited. Uh, yeah, and, earned, right. And and yeah, and there's also that you know there's he's he's not he doesn't have superpowers like the actual cap did but there's that super serum floating around and i just wonder what's going to happen you know if he actually gets injected with that um and becomes super strong because it has a tendency to to heighten people's you know biggest flaws or biggest character you know their most dominant trait which is why you know cap turned out to be such a great person but on the other hand on the other side we got red skull um, it, it just kind of does that to people. So you, you, you kind of wonder what's going to happen. The only thing that I'm not looking forward to, honestly, um, was the introduction at the end of Zemo. I'm sorry, I'm not excited about that. I thought he was one of the worst villains they've ever had in, in any MCU. He was, he was kind of boring. Oh, one thing before... I, uh, Tom, I want you to, if you have a moment, can you talk about the other uh, captain, of the other well, super soldier, uh, the black guy? A couple of things. One, uh, Kurt Russell plays the new Captain America. He looks just like, uh, sorry, Wyatt Russell is Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn's son. He looks just like oh, the really? between the two of them. He's got dad's chin and smarmy attitude. And the thing is, he's got his dad's cockiness, but this part, he hasn't earned that yet. That's what people are reacting to. Two, um, Amy Aquino, who plays the shrink, is delightful trying to play referee to Bucky and Sam. It's not a love-hate relationship. It's just these are two alpha males emerging. These are these are two beta males emerging from the shadow of an alpha male. Alphas in their own right. They've each carried their own comic book. But Bucky has a legitimate grievance with Sam. Steve gave you the shield and you turned it down and you shouldn't have. Right. Which is a valid thing. 
bringing in Isaiah Bradley as the first Captain America was brilliant. And Carl Lumbly, who, fun fact, played the first black superhero on TV, Mantis. Yes, I remember that. That was that was brilliant. That's awesome. And and the voice of Martian Manhunter in Justice League. But they're going deep. I read an interview with Malcolm Spellman in uh, Variety. They're going a little deep into some of the things the comic books cover, such as when the police show up outside Bradley's house and are ready to arrest Sam, ask, ask the white man, is this black man bothering you? And then when they find out he's a celebrity, oh, sorry, Mr. Wilson. I mean, they're, they're as much fun as WandaVision was and had, a de- had something to say about grief. This is going to say something about race and privilege in America. I thought all of that was brilliant, by the way. I mean, you know, the, 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 I, I, don't, I don't really read comics a lot, so it was only after the fact that I read that Isaiah does come from the comic books. They, yep. the, you know, the, the uh, Marvel was there decades ago with this story. And and I thought that it was absolutely brilliant. I mean, even, even before I knew what the, the history of it was, I thought, what a fantastic thing to do with this character the juxtaposition of this guy who i mean we know captain america was treated as this icon and this hero and this guy was thrown in prison and experimented on and hidden away and you know and and just it it just it makes you angry it makes you furious and it's immediately followed by that scene with the cops i agree so so I, i thought all of that was just absolutely on the money yeah, I just want to. I just want to say that I agree with absolutely everything that you guys are saying. So it's not like the show isn't good in many ways, but like I said, for me, the big thing and and Allison, of course. I mean, I find it gr- really interesting because um, it, it was so obvious. To, I mean, not obvious. Sorry, it was so strong in me the feeling. Um, so yeah, no, I find that really interesting. But to me, that is the 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 not all of the show, but like I said, the thing I really wanted to see. But as far as everything you guys have said, absolutely, I think it's fantastic, and that is why I'm still watching the show because the other half of it to me is all the other things they're doing, and I think they're doing it well, and it's interesting. And I don't, I didn't read the comics, I don't have any background in it, so for you guys to kind of fill me in and tell me that, it gives me even more depth. But without that knowledge, it was still really good to watch. You know what I mean? It was thought provoking and you know brought up a lot of emotions so even without the the history it's very effective all right so we're gonna wrap this one up we're saying overall thumbs up so oh, yeah. de- definitely a much better outing for the second episode of falcon and winter soldier and oh, i cannot wait sure. for for number three see where we go from here if you guys have any questions or comments you can send them to tv campfire at gmail.com follow us on twitter and sci-fi.radio weednopolis and itunes and we'll talk to you guys next time bye-bye Bye-bye.